This is Marketing Jam, a podcast featuring the brightest minds in Canadian marketing. Hi there. Welcome to Marketing Jam. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. The following interview is part of a series of interviews recorded at the Canadian Internet Marketing Conference in beautiful Squamish, BC, where we had the chance to talk to some of the leaders in digital marketing and technology from Canada and around the world. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, welcome back to Marketing Jam. Shahid Devji here, and I'm sitting next to John Malik. That's right. CEO of NativeAds.com. Yes, sir. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what NativeAds.com is and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so NativeAds.com is a self-service platform with a full-service layer on top. So how it works is just like using Google AdSense or any other self-service platform. If you wanted to buy traffic to bring a reader or a viewer from one website over to your landing page or your website article, or your campaign land or whatever the case may be, we are the ones that deliver the traffic to you. And what's unique about it is that there's a metadata that finds the contextually relevant uh, articles that they're reading before they come to your landing page. So that way, hopefully the person is in the right content consumption mentality to be engaged with what it is you're trying to say to them. So if you can't tell, we're we're at a conference and it's loud. Definitely, (laughs) I feel like we need to go and get ourselves a couple bottles and and get crazy. Well, I, I think we're near the end of the day, so that's next. Um, a marketing conference, and you you spoke, and you spoke about uh, the ad industry being broken, right? Yes. Is, is that correct? And yes. Maybe, maybe tell me a little bit about what, what you mean by that. Okay, so one of the things you try to do is, uh, as, a, as a guy that's trying to lead your company and make sure that you're always taking care of the people that trust you to lead them uh, to the next level, to help them with their succession planning, is you want to make sure that you're not heading down a rabbit hole that doesn't have a happy ending. And I'm really scared for the advertising industry right now. There's a ton of trends that are basically suggesting that we're headed to a position where there's gonna be a stalemate between the biggest brands and all of the people in between them and the publishers that they're trying to advertise on. Um, When an advertiser says, I used to advertise on 300,000 websites, now I advertise on 300 and I'm seeing a better uptick, that's a lot of publishers that are gonna go out of business. Some of them deserve to go out of business and that's, that's a harsh reality, but it's the truth but a lot of them don't. And the problem is the intermediaries in between. There's a lot of people who are buying and selling traffic that is not theirs, they're misrepresenting it, and the tools that are inside this ecosystem can't catch it. So you've got ad fraud, you've got domain spoofing, you've got robotic traffic, then you have all these platforms in the middle that people have to pay a percentage to be able to make sure the traffic is actually clean. What that means is that if you're a publisher and you're working your butt off to make really great content and bring the users to your site that I want to advertise to, less of that margin is going to actually hit you. It's at the point now where if I spend a dollar as an advertiser, by the time it gets over to you, there's only 52 cents left. And this is putting publishers out of business. So this is one of the things I'm I'm really worried about. It needs to change. Um, We keep talking about it, but we're not doing anything that's actually meaningful. And then when you look at ad blockers hitting 400 million people, like we're sitting here talking about optimization and landing pages, but there's gonna be no point in a landing page if every advertisement is blocked. So that's one of the things that I feel that we're sleeping on and I'm trying to draw attention to it and figure out ways that we can future-proof not only my company but the industry in general because I really like what I do. Yeah, that feels like a tough position to to be in, but, but I mean, are, are you guys are still you know working day to day and doing what you do? How, how do you do things maybe differently than maybe not those clean sources that you're or the yeah. unclean sources that you're talking about? How, how do you 
on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure your company's doing things the right way? So I gotta be honest, on a day-to-day -day basis, it, you sometimes feel like the ostrich with its head in the ground. Okay. You yeah. know that what you're doing uh, will be outdated. I can tell you right now, all the technology that we've worked so hard to build will probably be obsolete in two to three years. Right. And, and we're aware of that. So there's kind of two mentalities behind our day-to-day -day operations. Keeping the lights on and making sure that every one of our clients is being well taken care of today and thinking about what we're gonna do for tomorrow. So when I talk about today, what we're doing is we're investing in tools like Forensic and Pixelate, which are really great companies that are MRC accredited, and they clean our traffic to make sure that all of the traffic that we sell to an advertiser is actually what it's supposed to be. Okay. But when we're looking about the future proofing, we're really spending a lot of time on blockchain because it provides a new type of ecosystem that's transparent, it's peer-to-peer, -peer, and most importantly, it's decentralized. So you don't have one group that's kind of governing what happens. It's a bunch of people on distributive ledger that are basically immutable, and they have every record of every transaction. So it's, it gives us an opportunity for a greater level of transparency, peer-to-peer -peer transaction, and an opportunity to reward users. So I'm looking at that, and then I'm also thinking about the value exchange. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question. Do you pay right now for an online subscription? Uh, outside of Netflix? You can't count Netflix <laughs> and no Spotify. Uh, online subscription then. You know, I don't think I do. I'm considering The, the Athletic, which is a, a sports website, but no, I don't think I do. No, and I don't either. Yeah. And um, I, I feel so bad because whenever I see a really cool article and as I click on it to read it, maybe a friend shared it on an email or a text, yeah. and it says, you know, the paywall comes up, you have to subscribe to see this content. Yeah. There's so many ways to just Google the first truncated portion yeah. of that paragraph and find it on another site that picked it up. So I'm, I'm just as guilty as you are. We're not right. paying for content anymore. That's a yeah. real problem. So the value exchange is And why gone. would we if, if it's free, right? Why I would mean, we when we can you, keep You want to do away. a good thing, you want to do a nice thing, you want to support someone, that's one thing. Yeah. But the other, the other thing is you got to also pay the bills. And if you don't need to pay for something, you're not going to pay for it. Right? Yeah, we're, you know, in a sense, we're recession consumers right now. Yeah. We're only spending money on what we feel is valuable. Yeah. So outside of blockchain, one of the promising evolutions in the ad industry right now is a new platform to deliver content. And um, these things right here, yeah. you and me will pay for it. Yeah. This is the most valuable possession that everybody has right now. It's yeah. actually 87% of every day, it's within arm's reach. Yep. We wake up and we pick that thing up and it tucks yeah. us in. I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us have fallen asleep to YouTube at one point holding oh, yeah. our phone. It's brutal, yeah. but it's part of our culture, right? Yeah. So when I look at these lock screen advertisers that are partnering with phone carriers like Telus or whatever, and they're offering an opportunity to discount the phone or give you a free data plan in exchange for exposure to ads, it kind of brings a refreshing discussion because people are used to paying for their phones and not used to paying for content. Right. So maybe this is the new place that we put the ads. I mean, they used yeah. to be on billboards, now they're on the web. Maybe now they're gonna be on our phone. And I'm not talking about mobile ads, I'm talking about lock screen ads. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's gonna be the answer. I'm not sure if blockchain's gonna be the answer, but I'm gonna definitely keep investigating and investing in both of them because I know we have a two year, maybe a three year run rate before this industry is picked up upside down and shaken up to the point yeah. where it's it's not gonna be what it is. Do you watch a lot of movies? Are you gonna Dude, go to Black Mirror with me? I, you know what, I haven't started Black Mirror. That would have been a good place Do to it. go. Do it. But I was gonna go Blade Runner and the future we see with the billboards and it's really ad-centric everywhere you go. Is that a, is that a, I mean, it's a dystopian future, but is it a, is it a realistic future, you think? Is, do they have to go down that road and advertisers to, to get seen because of the issues we're talking about? Yeah, no, um, 
what you're talking about, we're calling the attention economy, right? Because yeah. attention essentially is currency now. Yeah. And um, you know, some advertisers, their approach is louder and bigger, right. and that'll help me as long as I have my frequency cap of touching people 11 times a month, I think I can convert them through the funnel. Yeah. And then you have advertisers that are like, no, wait, I don't want to be associated with being in their face at all times. I'm a niche product and I need to communicate to them only when they're thinking about me or only when they're experiencing a pain point. Um, I think what we're going to see is the bigger brands that recognize they have to stay in our face. I won't name a name, but if you're yeah. selling me essentially a can of sugar water and it's not something I need in my life, it doesn't yeah. pass the toothbrush test, you better continue to get bigger and everywhere because that's the only way we're going to continue right. to consume that type of product. Yeah. Um, but for the rest of the world, I think that we're going to see more intelligent and more complementary advertisements. We're going to see things that are assisting us in life. Um, yeah. Kind of like when you go to a convention and someone hands out one of those battery chargers for your phone. Um, maybe we won't purchase that product on the spot, but whatever area of play that product serves, we're probably going to have a better relationship with it because we remember that they took the time to think about what was on our mind, what was our need, and they solved that problem in that moment. So I think what we're going to see is an increase in well-placed ads. I don't know if we'll see an increase in ads everywhere like the Blade Runner. Yeah. Probably we'll see that a little bit, but yeah. uh, it's going to be an interesting future. I was going to ask you this question, but I feel like I already know the answer to it. I mean, you've got a, a background in athletics and martial arts, is yes, that sir. correct? Yes, sir. Uh, I, I feel like that combative nature, and martial arts isn't necessarily combative, it's an art, but um, I feel like that's coming out in you right now where you, you, you need to fight for, for what you're doing, right? Do you think you, you can bring a lot of what you learn there into what you're doing today? It's so funny. So um, the good people at the TEDx talk approached me and they said, you know, what would you do if you were going to talk yeah. about anything? And advertising doesn't apply to everyone. So I was trying to bring the core fundamentals of, of what, um, I don't want to say what's made me successful, but what has helped me inspire other people. Yeah. And one of the things that I definitely look at is disguising repetition. We have to do so many things every day that are the same as the day before. And you have to find ways to reinvent those tasks, uh, specifically in training someone. You know, Each one of the new people I bring in, the funny thing is the more you pay them, the more you have to actually train them because they have to be a valuable asset to your company. So disguising repetition is a big part of how we, how we try to train them. But getting back to your question on um, how do we combat the daily aspect, uh, I think the biggest thing that martial arts has, has brought to my organization is that we believe in leading by example. I will never ask a staff member to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Now maybe skill-wise or intellect-wise I'm not capable, but I would certainly try. And I think as long as every staff member recognizes that you would jump in there and roll your sleeves up with them, you have that type of team that's no longer a team, it's like a tribe, it's like a, it's like a crew. It's yeah. not a cult, but it's a crew that's got your back. And uh, I've been very honest with them, I've said to them, guys, what we are doing in the industry is great. We had our best revenue last year. We did 26 million USD and we're a profitable tech company in our third year. That's unheard of for a company that's bootstrapped. Um, but I told them we're pretty much screwed in the next two or three years if we don't change. And that's a scary thing to, to share with a staff member that just got hired a couple months ago. Yeah. But by being transparent, leading by example, and showing that there's a, an equilibrium between focusing on today and future-proofing to, for tomorrow, I think that being honest and transparent with your staff is how you actually perpetuate loyalty rather than have people be worried. So the Facebook thing, Cambridge Analytica, the data, um, it's kind of a watershed moment for data protection and privacy where people are now more aware than ever that there, there are people out there that are not treating their personal information properly. And that's probably a good thing for uh, society in the long run, right? So you know, people are more aware of it, they're gonna take more precautions. 
uh, and regulation might be a thing. Is that kind of what you're talking about in terms of the ad industry? Does, does, is that something like that needed? Is, is regulation, more regulation, different policy needed? Is that reckoning moment needed for the industry itself to evolve into something different that, that you know, you're talking about finding? Um, I don't think the regulators can help us because yeah. here's the thing. Us as consumers and us as users of the connected web or connected devices, um, if somebody waves a carrot in front of us, good or bad, as long as we perceive it as a carrot, yeah. we just plow in. So here's the thing. Is it wrong that Google created Gmail and said, here's a free email system, Yeah. but we're going to read every one of your emails and target the ads contextually about what and you're writing And people still about. don't know about that. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like uh, One of the things I want to do is, is I would love to have a campaign to educate people about what they're doing every day that shares their personal data yeah. and to stop having this attitude that there's evil corporations out there because they're offering you a free service and you're not taking the time to educate yourself on what that end user license agreement is actually saying. And when there's an update and you just click I agree, you are the problem. Mm -hmm. The regulator can't help you. Yeah. The regulators should not have to go after companies for you being stupid. Yeah. You have to have accountability at some point. Yeah. And I look at this in the stock market and I look at the, the ad market and I see the same thing going on. We have investors that are buying stocks and not reading the disclaimers on sponsor content. We have consumers who are volunteering their personal identifiable data down to some of the most really important things that you don't want people knowing about you. But it's their fault. Yeah. They're just not educating themselves. At the end of the day, if you're using a free email service, if you're using a free web browser, if you're reading content for free, and you're shocked that your data is out there for everybody to feast on, you are the problem, not the regulator. With regards to advertising, do you think people are more, uh, more likely today to support uh, you know, a paid service if the story surrounding it uh, is, is one that they can relate to? And, and so I'm, you know, I'm talking here in the context of CIMC and, and a lot of what we've been talking about today is, is storytelling it and people relating at a human level to, to that storytelling and that marketing specifically. Is, is that part of the solution maybe where you know, a Patreon model is something that I, you know, I think of? Um, is there room for that? Is that big enough of a, of a thing to solve some of the issues that you're talking about? I'm not sure if it is because yeah. no matter how good the content is, we still don't want to pay for it. Right. That's the problem is that we've been spoiled brats and <laughs> now with ad blockers yeah. and free content, we've just created the ultimate cesspool for publishers to get screwed and for advertisers to start to complain to a point where the regulators step in and what are they, what are they gonna point the, the gun at? What are they gonna say, who's the problem? Right. So I take a look at potential solutions. One of the things that came to mind was, okay, Netflix has an interesting model, right? They have all these different publishers that they have to allocate a percentage of the paid subscriptions. And in their early days, I believe they had an algorithm that basically said, based on who you watch, that's how much they get paid. So it's almost yeah. like the radio model where right. I used to be a DJ, we used to pay the, the labels based on spins. When are we gonna see a browser that pays the sites based on the frequency of visits? I mean, imagine if you and I pay 10 bucks a month for a browser, just a web browser. This web browser protects our data. It doesn't share our personal information with anybody. There's no cookies, but we pay 10 or $20 a month to browse a web. That and seems to make sense. It makes sense. And wherever yeah. we would visit, they would allocate funds to those publishers. Right. Right? That would make sense. But there needs to be a, like a large buy-in for that to happen, exactly. right? Exactly. And it has yeah. to be something we all to decide to do with yeah. enough critical mass to push it over the edge. There's been people who attempted to do it in the past, and it just fizzled out. Why? Because as consumers, unfortunately, we're assholes and we want everything yeah. for free. Yeah, and so I go back to that that reckoning, that watershed moment, and, and what you 
uh, I guess gestured as a turning over and shaking out. Like, what what does it take for for you know advertisers and, and publishers to, to come together and and, and you know, you know figure something out? Like, is there something that can happen, or is it just going to be a slow boil and one day it's going to be bam? <laughs> That's a good question. I yeah. mean, is it boiling frog, where one day oh, I should jump out of this thing? Yeah. Um, or does it take some type of macro catalyst? Um, I think Mark Pritchard from PNG was the best thing that has happened in the last 10 years yeah. because he basically just said, part of my language, cut the shit everybody. Yeah. I am not gonna spend as much money anymore. He dropped 200 million less last year. He's gonna cut 400 million this year. And when you see a brand like that take a stance, it's almost like a trend that the rest of the brands wanna say, well, I'm gonna be on top of that too. Um, as far as the Facebook leak, I don't think it's really going to hurt Facebook because they've got the network of, uh, effect and so many people are reliant on that, that platform to be connected. Yeah. Um, but at least we saw Oath, uh, we saw Microsoft, we saw a bunch of different groups reach out to all of the publishers and ad networks requiring us to update our privacy uh, policies and our data collection policies. So receiving those emails and seeing that they're trying to do something to kind of enforce a little bit better policing of data collection is great. but. I still don't think that it's enough, and I think that we need to see the sources of revenue cut off the intermediaries. When you see someone reduce the ad spend by $400 million and hurt a publicly traded company to the point where their stock is halted, which happened to WPP last year, those are the kinds of things that are required. I'm not sure the publishers and the advertisers are going to get together and say, let's figure this out. Yeah. What I see happening is the brands saying, screw you agencies, screw you ad platforms, we're taking it in-house. And we're going to reach out to those publishers directly and work with them because they're pretty good people and all these people in the middle are the ones ruining it. Yeah. And think about what I'm saying. I am the person in the middle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And here I am saying I am the yeah. problem. So that's how yeah. serious I am about this yeah. trend and how passionate I am about finding a way to fix it. It could be blockchain, it could be a new value exchange, uh, but it's a big problem and I really hope we stop hitting the snooze button on it. Well, I mean, in this short conversation, I'm, I'm glad there are people like you that are you know, taking this on because it, it seems like you're really passionate about it and you're, you're coming from the right place. So appreciate you taking the time to chat. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's been fun. Yeah. You guys are a great organization. You're doing such a great thing for Canada and I'm really honored to be a part of it. Thanks a lot. Take Thank care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Marketing Jam. If you enjoyed the show, head over to our YouTube or Facebook and give us a thumbs up and visit iTunes to leave a rating and review. Thanks again and see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.